0: Welcome to episode three of Back to Beverly, and thanks for tuning in. Before we get to the interview, I want to set things up a bit for my listeners. Josh Gross, who is the publisher of the Beverly Hills Weekly, and my guest on this episode, was also the first guest in Back to Beverly history when I hosted the show in high school. When I wrote to Josh asking if he'd join me again for this new venture, he answered almost immediately with his willingness and excitement to relive his high school days and talk about his career path. Since our interview, Josh has been like a silent advisor to me, offering his thoughts, words of encouragement, and suggestions for future guests. In his role as head of the Alumni Association, Josh is like the de facto Beverly High historian and has some of the most fascinating stories you'll ever hear about the school. Before we started recording, Josh and I were talking and he said something interesting, which was that he felt we could do a better job at promoting how great of a school Beverly High truly is, and I couldn't agree more. My hope is that this podcast is the first step in spreading the word far and wide. With that being said, here's my interview with Josh Gross. All right, so are we getting the control room, guys? Fantastic. All right, thumbs up. I'm pleased to be joined today by someone who, for over 20 years now, has been at the forefront of Beverly Hills media and politics. He comes from a well-known broadcasting and media family, and in the late 90s, founded his own weekly newspaper here in Beverly Hills. In addition to his work as a publisher, he is also president of the Beverly High Alumni Association, which represents 20,000 graduates living around the world. He is frequently in demand as a television and radio commenter and even hosts his own public access television show here in Beverly Hills. Please welcome to the show, publisher of the Beverly Hills Weekly and the first two-time guest in Back to Beverly history. Beverly High grad, class of '91, Josh Gross. Josh, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Dylan, has it really been ten years, eleven <sighs> years, whatever it is? It's uh, the time goes by pretty fast.
0: It really has. Uh, and we were talking before the show, but you were my first uh, guest on my TV show that I hosted in high school. So this That's is right. pretty cool to have you yeah. back. How does it so feel? That was
1: 2009. That then? was 2009,
0: 2010, yeah, probably right yeah, in there. Yeah, so yeah, got yeah. 12 years already. Yeah. Uh, how does it feel to be back on campus?
1: It's great. You know, I have not been back on campus since the pandemic, actually, so it was great to be back. The place looks the same, and uh, it's always good to see everyone.
0: How uh, did your time here at Beverly influence sort of your career path? I imagine uh, being publisher, you probably worked on Highlights when you were here at school.
1: I actually was not on Highlights, but I was on the Norman News, so okay. I'm very okay. familiar in this very studio where we're sitting right now. Very I cool. got my broadcasting start and uh, specifically uh, experience with live television, cause you know, we were live to tape even in those days. Yep. And uh, I do my current show live to tape. So yeah, I had some tremendous experience with Dusty Styles and of course, Romeo Carey and others who've come after that point.
0: Were there skills that, I mean, it's journalism is obviously you were doing broadcast then when you're not doing print, were there skills that you picked up then that are sort of helping you in,
1: in your career? Absolutely. I, you know, I'll tell you an interesting story about that, Dylan. I got into local politics because of madrigals. I was in the madrigals. Well, and mm-hmm. The late Joel Pressman, who, of course, was the teacher for sure. many years, very famous teacher. Joel used to talk about local politics, and that very much intrigued me, you know, uh, that you could get involved in local campaigns and that yeah. sort of thing. And that's specifically how I got involved in local politics, and then my interest in local politics led to the founding of the newspaper.
0: Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing what, what you pick up in high school that sort of, like, you know, leads you to where you are today. So you mentioned what, what you're doing a little bit. Can you give us a guided tour, uh, a journey uh, of what, from, from when you graduated Beverly to where you are today. Sure.
1: OK, so I graduated 1991. I went to UC Berkeley for two years. And then I decided I was going to take a year off and work in politics, which I did, work in local politics. And uh, then I went back to UCLA, graduated UCLA, got my undergraduate degree. Then I went to law school at Loyola. Graduated law in 1999, and then I started Beverly Hills Weekly October 7th, 1999, and that oh. was 1172 issues ago. Yeah. Wow! Issue 1173 comes out next Thursday. Incredible! It's a little bit like Groundhog Day, you know, yeah. the same week over and over and over again. But obviously, it's been a lot of fun to cover all those people and issues in that in those 21, sure. 22 years. Since
0: you now. did you, w- you so you went to law school? Did you not want to practice law after when you? Got uh,
1: I went to law school with the intent of either possibly becoming a political candidate or yep. starting a media franchise. And it's been very helpful, particularly in a litigious sure. city like Beverly Hills. Sure, uh, We've been sued a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. sued other people. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, been tremendously helpful in business to have that degree.
0: Good to have that background. So and w-
1: one thing, you know, yeah. Loyola Law School is very Beverly-like. First of all, a lot of Beverly people go there. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, similar clientele to Beverly. So, I, you know, people ask me about law school, I'd say it's very similar to Beverly High.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think I know some kids in my class that end up there. Yeah. So I mentioned in the intro, but you are the head of the high school alumni. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what are your responsibilities as the president of that association?
1: Well, I've been on the alumni board now for about 20 years, and I'm the president, as you mentioned, and uh, we do a number of projects for the school, one of which is the annual alumni highlights, which you got your copy and you read, and we might talk about that later, yep. but that's sent to graduates all over the world. Uh, we give uh, scholarships to graduating seniors. We maintain the Hall of Fame, the Alumni Hall of Fame, which many people have seen out in the hallway there. Uh, By the way, that Hall of Fame might be moving downstairs at some point. We're talking about different options with that because, uh, as you know, the school's been going through some. Part of the
0: larger remodel. Yeah, correct. And,
1: you know, we want, we always get a lot of comments about all those photos. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I challenge you to find me any other public high school in the country, maybe even in the world. Uh that has our level of Alumni Hall of Fame. You know, we have Nobel laureates, we have members of Congress, we have business leaders, we have CEOs, we have actors and celebrities, sure. everything. Yeah. So you know, maintaining that has been a big uh, project over the years and it's something we're, uh, we're pretty proud of.
0: So you mentioned the Hall of Fame, what are the qualif- sorry qualifications that you look for in a member?
1: The Alumni Board votes on that and uh, basically it's uh, uh, recognition and, and professional accomplishment in your field. Yeah. Uh, Let me give you an example of the person we uh, inducted last year, uh, 2021, uh, Captain Robert Wolfe, who, get this one, he was a prisoner of war in World War II. He was held in a German POW camp. He was was awarded the uh, Legion of Honor, which is the highest award the French government gives to any civilian or, or military person. He's still alive, 100 years old. So I was able to present him with that, which was a tremendous (coughs) honor at the, actually at the um, French consulate's house, which is in Beverly Hills. The French consulate uh, rents a house for their diplomat. So I had a great chance to meet him and 100 years young, just a great guy. So, there's an example.
0: Yeah. So, what you're saying is, if I sort of handed you $100 after this, I wouldn't be eligible.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Dylan, not yet, but <laughs> give it 10 years. We'll see.
0: So, are there any other sort of off the top of your head, other uh, illustrious members that you could sort of mention that are, again, part of Hall of Fame? you know,
1: Nobel laureates, yeah. uh, 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 celebrities, mayors, uh, you know, and everything in between? But, you know, what is most interesting about it is when you look at the alumni of certain schools, for example, certain schools in the South, they have a lot of athletes, you know. Okay, well we have a handful of athletes, but we also have all kinds of other, you know, like Beverly itself, yeah. it's got all these things going on. It's not just one discipline, it's not just one area of, uh, of occupation. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: you you touched on it a little earlier, but one of the responsibilities is putting out the annual alumni highlights. Um, I just got through reading the one you shared, uh, the, the most recent edition how difficult and time-consuming is to put that together. I mean, I, I think I mentioned it was over 90 pages of yeah. articles. And You know, and I'm,
1: I'm fortunate I get to work with Melanie Anderson who's actually a former uh, weekly editor, mm-hmm. Beverly's Weekly Editor. Uh, she helps us put it out every year. And of course, the alums send in contributions and things to, to, to put yeah. in the in the magazine. But, you know, it's just amazing to see the, the stories of these people sure. where everybody's ended up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're just kind of getting to the age where your, your classmates are really settling in their careers. And so, you know, the way I describe it is the stories just get better and better yeah. as they get older, and that's what it is. Yeah. And are,
0: are you ever in disbelief hearing some of the stuff? A little like, bit, you yeah, know, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, again, the the y- first of all, not everybody you think is going to be successful is successful. Yeah. Not everybody who you think is an idiot is an idiot, sure. and, you know, it's a combination right. of both. Yeah. And some, you know, people are able to succeed in different uh, industries, and it's not necessarily what you'd expect. So.
0: I, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree, and and, and having read that, I felt I've even more proud to be an alumni. Yeah. Is, is there one alum in particular that you've sort of interviewed over the years that really stands out as, as someone that you sort of were starstruck by?
1: No. Yeah. But, but you know, one of the things we were talking about when we were warming up on set yeah. was that, you know, you mentioned Beverly High and you can get through to almost anybody that went yeah, to Beverly High. Right. So, you know, we were t- discussing a number of people who you might have on the show in the future. And, you know, it's a very special place for a lot of people, including yeah. people, by the way, who moved out of Beverly Hills. You know, right. it's a, not everybody's still in the area, sure. obviously. So.
0: Um talked a lot about Beverly. Where do you see the school in the next five to 10 years? Obviously, we're going through a remodel. We've had, you know, the subway was sort of a hot button issue a few years ago. You know, where, where do you sort of see Beverly going? And more specifically, um, you know, about when I was graduating, about 12 years ago, we went through, uh, we had, the removal of the permit system here mm-hmm. and the opportunity permits and, and the enrollment has sort of shrunk over the years. What right. are your thoughts on that and where do you see Beverly going from here? Well, you know,
1: right now it's about 1,200 and change. Uh, the enrollment, that's about almost half of yeah, when you were there. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it, the school is smaller, but it's still pretty much the same school. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it being smaller. Uh, I know they've talked about maybe bringing back a grandparent permit and some things, which I think is worth looking into. But again, it's the same school. It's just a little smaller. One thing maybe some of your listeners don't know is Beverly Hills is a very old community in terms of median age. So they really just aren't as many school-age kids as when you were growing up or when sure. I was growing up. When I was growing up, you know, like 10 kids on the block. Wow. On my block where I live now, I think there's maybe one or two kids. Yeah. So there's far fewer kids than there used to be. We just have to adjust to that, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's going to be part of the challenge the school has in the in the years to come. The good news is, for the most part, we still have all the extracurriculars that everybody remembers and loves, and, of course, we're here at the KBEP studio, which, yeah. as we discussed, is... As good or better than it was back in the day.
0: One of the many benefits of going to school here. Yeah. Do you think, with the decreased enrollment, that the kids that go to school here today are suffering a little bit with A, you know, not as many classmates, m- uh, and B, the lack of maybe a lack of diversity of what they had with well, the, it's with the still, opportunity permits? Well, it's still
1: pretty diverse. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if you look at the student body, it's still pretty diverse. So, no, so no I don't think that's the case. But I would say that. Um, Look, the, the kids who are here now went through the pandemic. I mean, that alone is, can you imagine? That's right. <laughs> hard enough to go through high yeah. school, let alone, you know. And obviously the virtual education, for the most part, I think almost everybody agrees, it's better to be back in, in class. So, you know, we're happy that it's open. We're happy that it's open in person. Um, the construction is still an issue. Look, the school looks terrible from the outside. So, you know, we're just gonna try to hope that the construction gets finished as fast yeah. as possible. Once it's opened, I would imagine it's gonna be great. Yeah. But. Right now, it's uh, kind of an eyesore from the front, and that's just the way it's going to be for next.
0: Have you heard anything latest in terms of when that will be done?
1: Well, I've heard 2025 with regard to the theaters, and I've heard 2025 with regard to El Rodeo. Well, actually, I think late 2024 with regard to El Rodeo. Of course, for our listeners who don't know, El Rodeo School is being completely rebuilt from the ground up. Um, But it's been delayed before. So, you know, are they going to meet the targets? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, But everybody's very anxious to get the work done.
0: So we've touched a little bit about on your your publishing career. How difficult you found the newspaper in the late 90s, just as the Internet sort of coming online. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it to continue to publish a newspaper, especially a local newspaper in the digital age?
1: Yes and no. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, obviously, print is dying in many capacities. Sure. But in Beverly Hills, they still love their newspaper. And we're very fortunate that we have such a supportive community. I mean, super, and, and I, I talk to publishers in other communities. who are shocked yeah. at the degree to which the community yeah. you know helps out and, sure. and yeah. advertises and so on. So, in that sense, we're safe. We're okay, but. You know what's it going to look like in twenty years? Yeah. I have no idea.
0: Do yeah. you think that it's because the the median age is is a little older here in Beverly Hills and they and they grew up on the print absolutely and paper yeah and that's
1: yeah. that's part of it. And by the way, we yeah. have readers who love their printed paper. You know, sure. they don't want it on the internet. They're not yeah. interested in the internet. Yeah. And of course, we have an e blast and we have people that like reading it online and yeah. and that's fine too. So you know, we we do offer the two options of it. But there's people who still love print. And sure. I know somebody your age, you know, looks at me like, "Are <laughs> you out of your mind?" Hey, they do. And yeah. you know, another thing to think about is. With some people, I think there's some digital overload. You know, everything's online. Everything's online, So it's kind of nice sometimes to read a newspaper. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. I will say. So I, in college, I interned for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And I was part of the team that sort of was helping, uh, you know, get their advertising in line. Um, and you know, walking into the building, I still love to pick up that, that hard copy, you know. And I would sit at my desk and read it for the first hour. And then I would go about my day. But to your point, people still love it. And maybe I'm an old soul. And maybe I'm not part of this digital generation. But um, I'm glad to hear that, at least here in Beverly Hills, still, you know, people are... people
1: are Well, yeah, look, and also, you know, look, they used to call it a throwaway, right, throwaway newspaper. There's something to be said for the throwaways. You know, it's, it's. A, you get a lot of local news, you yeah. certainly do in our paper, and that's why a lot of people want to live in a small town. It's fun. You read about your neighbors, you read about your neighbor's kids, you, sure. you know, there's, there's a real small town aspect to it. I still find that fun, even after all these years. And, you know, if you'd interviewed me maybe five years into the paper, I, mm-hmm. I don't, think I would have thought I'd still be doing it 21, 22 years later. But it's still fun. So yeah. as long as it's fun, and as long as people read it, we're gonna keep doing it.
0: Well, like they say, you should love what you do and enjoy going to work, and you know it won't be work, right? I think, I butchered it, but I think you know, something yeah. along the lines. Yeah, a lot of truth to that. Can you, are you able to determine, you mentioned the e-blast, are you able to determine how many folks read the paper on, via the e-blast or online versus yeah, in sure. print? Yeah, sure, what I mean, do you know that ratio? Well, it's, of first of all,
1: it's a very high open rate, mm-hmm. and anytime time our advertisers see this, oh my god, you gotta have, it. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, it's very specialized news for people who want that kind of news. Uh, this includes a lot of the city decision makers, the sure. elected officials, and so, you know the mayor and so on. And so um, we have no problems with readership. In fact, Dylan, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Sometimes, every once in a while, I'll have an advertiser say to me, "You know, you should put a crossword puzzle in. You should mm-hmm. put a Sudoku puzzle yeah. in." I don't want any more readers. I've got plenty of readers. Mm-hmm. I don't need any readers. Yeah. Thank you. We're doing just fine. So, you know, the, the challenges obviously are the financial end of it. And as you said, where, where print is going, where digital is going. And by the way, another thing that people don't realize is social media, um, it has provided us with news, but social media has also been a threat in the sense that people are now advertising on social media. So though in some respects, that's, add money that would have formerly gone into print. Sure, sure. People need to understand, look, you got to support the paper or it's not going to be around. It's pretty simple. And we've yeah. seen what's happened in a lot of other communities where they've shut down papers. It's very sad. Yeah, you know. And we certainly don't want to, whether unpublished or not, we don't want to see Beverly Hills be a place with no newspapers. Yeah. So.
0: Well, if you're listening to this, make sure you read the next weekly. <laughs> bhweekly.com. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, as a, as a resident and as a publisher, how difficult is it for you to sort of separate yourself on hot button issues in in the community? It's very, very difficult.
1: Yeah. Very difficult. I, I still struggle with that. Again, after all these years, you know, you're friends with a lot of people. You know a lot of people, but sometimes you have to cover negative stuff, and nobody likes to be the brunt of a negative yeah, story. Yeah. Uh, but that's part of the game, part of the business. I, I think that you know, if I had to evaluate, have done it, it over twenty years, I've done a pretty yeah. good job. But it's because I knew what I was getting into, sure. and uh, that comes with the territory if you're going to do something like this. Yeah,
0: are, do people? I mean, are people fair, knowing that this is your job and this is what you have to do, or do, they, no. or do people still hold grudges? No, they hold grudges. Okay.
1: <laughs> and, and again, you don't want to be the on the on the bad end of a bad story, right? Sure. Now, you know, I look back at the work we've done. We've done some very crusading journalism. Very proud of. Very few stories do I look back on and say, "Oh, you know, we totally bungled that," or Mm -hmm. "Oh God, I wish we didn't do that." You know, sometimes it maybe got a little too personal with certain elected officials and things like that. But but for the most part, you know, you got a job to do. Uh, I always encourage our reporters to you know let the let the story drive what you do. You know, the facts drive the story, and that's it. And see where it goes. And seems to be working
0: one of the issues in front of the, the community right now and will be on the ballot in the next couple of months is term limits mm-hmm. on the city council yeah. um obviously there's a there's a council member that's running now for the fourth time mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on term limits do you think it's Do you think it'll pass i mean we'd love i thoughts. think it's gonna pass
1: yeah. um i personally support it uh but i support it to take effect when it passes so i i don't think it's going to be able to be retroactive to that council member you sure. talking about or anybody else i think it will start from that point on mm-hmm. um you know, it's come up over the years. I think the time is right. I think it will pass. But, uh, you know, we got to see what the voters say uh, June 7th. That's when the election is. Well, at, speaking of June
0: 7th, was there a reason that it got moved? I mean, it seems kind of yeah. like an odd time. Yeah, no, year. let me tell you what yeah.
1: happened there. Well, th- there was a change in state law okay. that moved the uh, municipal elections from March to either June or November. In our case, they picked June, but they picked November for the school board elections. Mm-hmm. And that was part of a movement to consolidate elections. In my opinion, that was a bad bill. And I'll tell you why. We used to love our little elections in March. Yeah. We didn't cause any problems to anybody. Right. You know, I felt this was major overreach from Sacramento. Yeah. And sadly, I'll tell you one of the results of that, that, we had a school board election last November 2020. When you're on the ballot with a presidential election, you don't get any attention for your school board race. So, you know, if our interest is in electing good candidates for local government, which it is, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we should be on the same ballot with the presidential election. I think that's a very bad idea. But decision made and that's what it is. Are
0: there projections that this June election is going to hurt turnout? I know usually when we're when you're on the ballot with bigger elections, the turnout's usually much larger. Is, is Are there projections? Have you yeah, heard Yeah, the
1: projection of? I think is like 35 percent. So it's okay. slightly higher than it was. Remember, we used to get 30 percent for a city council election. So it's, the June is pretty similar to the way it used to be, but in November it's way higher. And again, the problem there is you have people voting for local offices that are not necessarily following those local offices. And that makes me nervous too. I, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of people voting who are following what's going on. Right. So, you know, this is the legislature, but that's what it is and, and make the best of it. Yeah. 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 Right, Del- play, yeah.
0: th- play the cards you're dealt. That's right. Uh, so right. We, we touched on the, the um, term limits on the ballot. Another issue that we dealt with over the last 20 years is an issue I, I say but' um, it was really a movement in 2020 obviously we dealt with the pandemic but we also dealt with some social unrest that mm-hmm. led to the defund the police movement mm-hmm. Beverly Hills sort of went the opposite way right. in, in that they you know they didn't defund the police and they actually sort of bulked up the force that's right is, is that do you believe that's the reason why Beverly Hills is still such a pl- safe place to live and are we well safe hold on setting? it's a
1: safe place to live but even we've had an increase in violent crime. And, you know, as you know, several council members have been very outspoken on the issue of recalling the Gascon, the sure. district attorney. Um, you know, that's a separate issue, but they will argue it's a related issue because yeah. of the crime. Um, look, Beverly Hills is super supportive. Police always has been. So that doesn't surprise me. They also, as you know, have a private security force in mm-hmm. addition to the to the uniform is this, police. Officers.
0: Is that a recent addition? Within the last With
1: year or two, it? yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, you see the vans driving sure. around and stuff. And you know it, you know what it is. People want to feel safe. They especially want to feel. This is a big. You know, people like to walk to South Beverly Drive. As you know, you know where you live. You yeah. can walk a lot of places. So, so we want that safety of being able to walk a lot of places. Again, that's unique to Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think yeah, you're, you're going to see much more, more and better support for the police. Uh, you're not going to hear any defund the police around here. That's not something uh, you think you're going to see.
0: So I asked you earlier about the school, where you saw it going in the next five to ten years. I'm curious where you see the paper in the next five to ten years. Obviously, you've been publishing it for close to 25 years now. Has anybody ever approached you about selling the paper? Would you even consider selling the paper? Oh, yeah. Well,
1: we get offers here and there, and... uh, uh, I'm not against selling it, but if I sell it, what am I going to do? You know, i got to have another <laughs> right, offer, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm one of those guys who've got to go to work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I would not have fared well with a work from home or something like that. i got to go to work. That's yeah. the way I am. Yeah. Um, it's sort of what I told you before. I, I started it when I was 26. I'm now 48. It's still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it till I'm 88. I, who knows? I, you know, I, as I told you, if you asked me uh, 10 years ago, I don't even think I'd still be doing it. But, but it's, it's a very fulfilling job. I get to interact with a lot of interesting people like you and others, and, and, and that's fun. You yeah. know, getting to know everybody in town has definitely been a fringe benefit. You don't get that with a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're working for a law firm or something, you don't get to meet the mayor. About, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So that part's fun. Um, I enjoy mentoring the young reporters, and we've had reporters go work for all the major daily newspapers, broadcast outlets, uh, studios, other, other things. So that's fun um but you know look it's a tough business and it's a tough business it's only going to get tougher in yeah. the years to come yeah so.
0: you you said you were 26 when you started the paper yeah. that's I, I can't believe it With how old are you now i'm 29 yeah, almost okay. 30 right. and i think where i was 26 mm-hmm. i can't imagine running a newspaper i mean was aha it a, was but it i was
1: young and stupid and cool. that's exactly why i did it yeah. so you have to be young and stupid sure. to do it um look i was very young but when i look back on it i made very few mistakes i mean i i had remarkably good judgment for a young guy. Now remember, as I mentioned in our in our lead-in, yeah. I had worked in local politics for four or five years in Beverly Hills, and that was a tremendous asset because I knew who all the players were at that right. time. This is the mid-90s. And that served me very well. Another thing that serves me well, as you mentioned, is having grown up in Beverly Hills. You know, that sets me apart, first of all, from the other publishers, and second of all, from anyone else who wants to do this yeah. because you got to know the city and you got to know the people. So. You know, going back to one of, I think, your first questions, Dylan, you said, you know, did, did, did going here lead to your career? You said something like that. Yeah. It absolutely did. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in fact, going here was probably step one of my career. And, of course, it took some incarnations to get where I am. But it basically is a logical outgrowth of, first of all, having grown up in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. having gone to the high school, having had a great experience in the high school, having gotten into lots of great universities from that point. Sure. But also keeping in touch with a number of my teachers mm-hmm. who almost all of my teachers are retired now. Uh, given my age but you know those the ones that are still alive were in touch on social media and elsewhere and uh you know i had at both beverly vista where i attended k-8 and some of our listeners may not know beverly vista is now a middle school but at the time it was a k-8 at Beverly Vista and at Beverly, I had just tremendous teachers. I really had great teachers, and that's something I'm very fortunate.
0: We're blessed for. F- yeah. for it, and we were yeah. talking before, but you know, we've been blessed for first with Mr. Stiles here running KBEV, and that's now right. Mr. Carey. Very,
1: and, and well, we were discussing this. It was yeah. a seamless transition between right, the two of them, right. and and Mr. Styles still comes in and, and works. Seamless, yeah.
0: At 26, you start the paper. You obviously come from a media family, mm-hmm. so maybe you have a bit of background. Were you sort of learning as you? Was it like yes. on the fly, on the fly?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? You get thrown in the swimming pool. You'll figure out how to swim. Sure. I tell what. Was, the learning part was not the journalism, the writing. The learning part was the ads and the sales. I had never. I don't think I'd sold a magazine subscription mm-hmm. in the magazine. I had no sales background whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you, you're gonna. I think ask about my grandfather, but my grandfather. Uh, Jack Ogros founded uh, KFNB, which was the first TV station in San Diego. And so he was a salesman, and that's how he got into that line of work. And I do like to think that I inherited the sales gene because mm-hmm. I'm not a bad sales guy When yeah. I have to be. It's not my number one passion in life. Okay? Sure. I'd rather be running the newspaper and going to these events and talking to these people. Yeah. But, you know, as I said, if you have to do something to survive, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And we did that.
0: My first boss uh, shared something interesting. And it's always stuck with me. He said, everything in life is sales. And I, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, sure. Uh, yeah. And, and guess what, a lot of uh, interpersonal relationships, yeah. dating, that's yeah. sales too, if you think about it. Yeah. yeah no sales, uh, if you can get good at it, uh, you can do a lot of things that's with sort it. Sort of massive yeah. life. Yeah.
0: yeah. So for a long time, well, you host a, a show now on yeah. public affairs, and for yeah. a long well, time- Well, it's
1: not public affairs. It's, it's Beverly Hills Television, Channel okay. 10. Okay. And it's called Beverly Hills View. Okay,
0: got it. Yeah. Uh, well, appreciate you correcting me in my bad research. Yeah. Um, and for many years, you hosted city council and school board elections with the legendary Rudy Cole. He used That's to write right. columns for the. We do that right in the studio. In the yeah, studio, yeah. Uh, what would you think Rudy would say of our city today? What kind of pointed columns would be? Rudy oh, doing? you know, I think
1: about Rudy every day. Yeah. Uh, he passed away in 2013, so it's almost 10 years now. But uh, y- you know, more of the same. I, for those who are interested, you can read some of Rudy's columns. They're still on our website because we have about 15 years on our website of wow. issues, and. Some of his columns from 10 years ago, 12 years ago, are still great today. So that just shows you it's a lot of timeless stuff he wrote. I think he would be amused. uh, I don't know how he would have reacted to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember, he smoked a pipe, so I don't know how he would wear a mask if he smokes a pipe, right? Mm -hmm. But he would have... in terms of the elections and stuff, I think he would have, you know, enjoyed it and covered it just as he did for the years that he was here.
0: Well, Josh, it's been a lot of fun. Before before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. You, you touched on your grandfather as a legendary San Diego uh, media personality. Yeah. I read somewhere that he, at one point, owned the San Diego Padres. Yeah. Does that mean that you're a Padres fan? or You know, cause <laughs> you know this I'm is not
1: a big baseball fan. I'm a okay. big college basketball fan. We were talking about this when we came in. Um, my grandfather was one of the first owners of the Padres in 1952 when it was a minor league team. Okay. And with the Padres ah. didn't even become a major league team until 1969. Wow. And he had sold his interest by that point. So, you know, I've got a lot of stories growing up about, you know, my grandparents. And, and I had this wonderful scrapbook of my grandfather grandmother went to japan on behalf of with the team for sure. some sort of exhibition or uh-huh. something and i have this wonderful scrapbook it's all in japanese but we had somebody translate what it says and um you know i think he was just in the right place at the right time with the padres no even my grandfather could not have anticipated though that san diego would become such a major city you know right. it's, it's on par with los angeles in yeah. terms of its size and i you know at the time he lived there san diego was much smaller so i think he'd be very surprised to see that and also of course the value of a mlb franchise nowadays oh my god but i, <laughs> I wish they ever saw. it's hard to believe yeah right right right
0: uh well it's a good answer i was guys I was, I was gonna say i'd love to have you back on again but not if you're a padres fan, yes so. right well okay i guess yeah. i answered it the yeah. right way. <laughs> uh, well thanks again josh it's been a lot of fun first yeah. two time back to beverly guest in history and I look forward to doing it again sometime soon
1: yeah dylan you got a great show here and good luck
0: thanks a lot thanks again for listening and just a reminder if you enjoyed this interview hit that subscribe button leave me a review and tell a friend. You can also find me on social at back to Beverly on Instagram. Till next time, I'm your host, Dylan Curtis, signing off.